countdown to the last comic shop in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Live from Fogwell's Gym, it is now time for the last comic shop. You like what I did there? Because it was Boxing Day yesterday, and that's where Battle and Jack Murdoch used to punch people out. That's Daredevil's daddy. Battle and Jack, which in the mid-90s is why Daredevil changed his new identity to Jack Battling. (laughs) You're you're kidding me. I'm yanking no chains during the Scott McDaniel era. My goodness. Well, we're just going to jump right into it. I'm the host of The Most, Andy Larson. I'm joined by Chad Smith and J.A. Scott, and welcome to uh, the last episode of Season 2 of The Last Comic Shop, which, incidentally, actually is also the last Tuesday in the year of 2022. And as always, it's time to check out those numbers. So, our resident statistician, Data scientist. That's right. You know the kids love the data. She's got a white lab coat on right now and a pocket protector. (laughs) I will point out he did all of this work on an old (laughs) TI-81. It's an 83, thank you. But uh, yeah, you got to rep Texas Instruments. All right, well. One other thing before we get started, if you are buying your comic book bags and boards, uh, make sure that you're going out to uh, bcwsupplies.com using promo code LCSPOD to get 10% off all of your orders as well as supporting Last Comic Shop. We'll have a little bit more on that later, but you'll be hearing a lot of that in 2023, so we might as well get it out of the way. Now, to the data! All right. So if you happen to be a first-time listener, understand this is not how our shows usually work, but this is our our reward at the end of the year because, as we all know, the kids love data. And now, unfortunately, I've got some bad news for you guys. What? Andy in particular. You see, last year in our 2021 review by the numbers, we had covered 19 Marvel books, 19 indie books, and only 13 DC books. And Andrew had pledged... They promised that we would review more DC in 2022. And as I'm looking at these final numbers, we reviewed 16 Marvel books, 16 indie books, and 15 DC books. What? That's not good enough. We had a DC (laughs) month. Even after that horrible Black Adam, that's not good enough. What are we going to do? We can't. This this, this can't stand. What can we do? It's the last show of the year. I know what we're doing. We're reading the Superman annual for the man who has everything. What? Like right now? A last minute edition. All right, fine. We're going to do it. Here we go. Everybody, those those speed reading courses we took as a group, that was money well spent. So here we go. We'll be right back in three, two, one. Well, okay. Maybe that wasn't (laughs) the best thing to suggest, but... um, For the Man Who Has Everything by Alan Moore with Dave Gibbons on art and letters and Tom Zuiko on colors. And Gibbons and Moore before uh, Watchmen. Ten second synopsis. Here we go. Superman's birthday. Wonder Woman, Batman, and Robin are all visiting to give presents, but Superman already has a present. But ah, it's an alien. It's hugging his face and it's making him dream things. But chest, it turns no, out it's that hugging his chest. Hugger. Yeah, it's a chest hugger. But it turns out it's from Mongol. That's it. Yeah. And Jason Todd ends up winning. Without Jason Todd, evidently, we, we wouldn't have, I don't know, they, they still have these problems. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It just proves that the whole universe did Jason Todd dirty when they killed him off. Still <laughs> All right. bitter. Still All right. bitter. So since we, uh, we have things to do on this show, everybody gets two sentences for their initial thought and then two sentences for the rating. <laughs> so pick those two sentences very well. We'll start off with J.A. because he's always the most succinct with his, his reviews. So uh, two sentences. It was a fun read. It was batshit crazy. <laughs> okay. And done. All right. Chad. I enjoyed it, although I felt some of the characters were a little bit out of character. For as much as we praise Alan Moore, I was like, ah, I don't know if Batman would say those things, chum. <laughs> okay. I enjoyed the stuff outside of the dreamy thing on Krypton. 
the dreamy thing on Krypton was weird. Yeah, Superman gets whatever he wanted, and he's still not happy. Exactly. He's that's stupid. Yeah, because there's no Lois. I mean, you would think that you know Superman Lois would be some part of his dream state. Oh. If this is supposed to be what he always wanted, I just no. Come on, he's getting strange for his birthday. He goes and kisses Wonder Woman. Come on, <laughs> let the guy have some fun. It's his birthday. <laughs> Going through a midlife crisis. It's true. That, Ooh, that don't say crisis around DC I know. characters. Yikes. <laughs> Imagine that crossover. Everybody gets Lambo Batmobiles. <laughs> you see how Batman brought him a rose? Kiss on a rose on a grave. He's he's his true love. <laughs> <laughs> so in any case, uh, rating scale, uh, J.A. Dream huh? states. Okay, so one out of four dream states, Chad. Okay, for as much as this story gets praised for being the time where Superman gets to say, burn. Like I said, it was good. I, I I don't know if I buy into all the hype. I thought it was very good comic book, but I wouldn't put it in any top ten of any list. So uh, three and a half. All right. Thank you. Yeah, also three and a half. Uh, I like the fact that Jason Todd is the man. And, you know, got to love that classic Batman look. Yeah, it is nice. It is nice. I'm going to give it a whole four. I love this. I love this story. Anytime you can tell a story this good and it only has to last an annual that's how you write comics. That's how you keep people coming back. And so, yeah, I think this was in Wizards' top 100 single issues of all time. And I think it was towards the top of the list, like four or something. And, and I think rightfully so. And, and if you're interested, there's also a animated version of this same story that I, I think appears in episode two of Justice League Unlimited. Awesome TV show that was done by in the Timverse you can watch this entire story again, except Jason Todd's not in it. It's just Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman. So, yeah. There you go. Takes out Jay's favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, guess what? With that, ring the bell. We're ready for the data review, and it's all squared up. This is The Last Comic Shop 2022 Review by the Numbers. For DC with our brand new numbers here, thanks to Superman for the man who has everything on the show that has everything. Andy clocked in at 3.16 average. Uh, I gave DC books a 3.2, and JA was the lowest on DC at a 3.07. Oh, wow. I know. Mikey, who was another consistent raider for DC, he was with us for five books. He gave him a 3.5. Ethan was there for two, 2.35. And uh, Ben was there for Twilight and gave us a three. Ben Morse. Ah, uh, oh, so Mikey Wood didn't give a perfect four. The DC guy did not give a perfect four. All right. No, and, and we'll get into that and later. He rated, yes, Superman versus Muhammad Ali at a 2.5. Mikey Wood. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Surely that's a three just for the cover alone. Oh, if not a four, but we'll get there. As far as indie books go, Andy's average was a 3.08. My average is a 3.23 grade, and J.A. was the kindest to the indies, uh, giving them an average of 3.4. Oh, he's an indie darling over there. You might as well call him Henry Jones Jr. He's as indie as they come. <laughs> and speaking of indie darlings, Nicole was along with us for four indie books, and so she averaged out with a 3.3 rating. She's another one. If it was J.A. and Nicole's show, that's all we would do is indie books. Which is fine. Uh, yeah, nothing wrong with that. Expanding our horizons. Zan, for our regular old horizons, the Marvel books that uh, we're pretty fond of, Andy clocked in at the lowest of us all at a 2.88 rating for Marvel Ooh, uh, this year. That's surprising. I must have come down. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> is that answer. But anyway, so I was the highest on Marvel books, giving them an average of 3.22 grade. And J.A. was right in the middle, 3.01 on the marbles. So evidently, I like the DC books the most in 2022. Indeed. For 2022, that means Andy ranked DC first, indie book second, Marvel books third. That is a change from 2021 when the indie books were his favorites, Marvel were second favorites, and DC were his least favorite books. So DC jumped from third to first, and everything else bumped down a spot. Oh. I, I have actually enjoyed more DC books in 2022. I will take that as uh, coming through on my end of the bargain when I said that we were going to appreciate 
DC a little bit more this year. So there you go. And Jay changed up slightly. He had indie books number one this year, just like he did last year. But then he swapped DC and Marvel. Now DC is number two in his heart for 2022. And Marvel pulled up third. Mm. And for me, the ever-loving uh, blue-eyed Chad, I am your rock here. <laughs> Staying uh, with the same rankings as last year. Indie books were number one. Marvel books were number two for me. DC books were number three. Just like 2021. I am consistent, if nothing else. Yeah. But it's it's amazing that even though we, again, read more DC books, a little less Marvel books this year, still indie for all of us. That's that's where the good books lie, evidently. Heck yeah. The, the, you get all these great creators going over to Image and taking their, their stories that uh, they really want to tell. And you can see it's paying off with the grades. Now, speaking of grades, there were only six times this year where we unanimously agreed on books turns out those were all four scores so we all thought the other history of the dc universe was great along with v for vendetta parker persepolis mouse and spider-man craven's last hunt all got unanimous fours the only other time we were unanimous in our ratings was with the black panther movie where we all gave it a 3.25 really okay well, jumping right into that, uh, how about we do movies next? Because I know that we had the movie Mayhem, which I'll talk about a little bit later when we get to our most downloaded shows. Not to tease anything, Uh-oh. but uh, let's just say that our movie Mayhem month was was very good for our show in terms of numbers. So we'll definitely be doing that again in 2023. Oh, that's awesome, Sauce. Three DC movies that we rated this year. They were Batman, they were V for Vendetta, and they were Black Adam. The average grade was 2.16 for Andy, 2.67 for me, and 2.5 for J.A. Mikey clocked in at a 3.38. As far as indies go, J.A. and I both averaged a 4 for both indie movies, which happened to be Persepolis and Dread. Andy's score was a 4.375 since he gave Dread a 5 out of 4. <laughs> And rightfully so. Breaking the whole system. I am the law. I will make the law. <laughs> there we go. And so Marvel couldn't quite match the indie movies. Uh, those included Doctor Strange. Those included Thor and Black Panther. But Andy gave him a 3.28, which was the highest of our crew. Marvel movies averaged a 3 for me, just a flat 3. And Jay was a 3.08. Yeah, I enjoyed all of the Marvel movies that were released in 2022. Honestly, I did. They were all good. Yeah, they were pretty good. They were all right. Yeah. Your expectations were unrealistic, sir. All right. So do we want top tens and bottom tens? Yes, we I just want to point out when we're going into this, I'm seeing my name attached to a lot of top tens and my name not attached to a lot of bottom tens. And what I say to that is yes. (laughs) Oh, Spoiler alert, J.A. has definitely risen in the ranks as far as recommending or picking of our top 10 list for 2022. J.A. has chosen five of our top 10 books. I have three, and then Andy has picked two of those. And in the bottom 10, Andy and I both share four of those picks. J.A. has got a paltry two. Okay. J.A.'s picks this year are the ones to, uh, to beat. But our number 10 book in terms of rating, which averaged out to a 3.63 rating, was for Rorschach. Number 9 was Star Wars Skywalker Strikes, which was a 3.78. Number 8 was the indie darling Something is Killing the Children, which averaged a 3.9. Number 7, Miss Marvel Volume 1 got a 3.92. And then... The rest of these are all tied for number one with the other history of the DC universe. Spider-Man Craven's Last Hunt, Mouse, Parker the Martini Edition, V for D- Vendetta, and Persepolis all averaging four out of four. I'm proud of our picks this year. Honestly, like we read some good quality stuff this year. We did. That's we did. Say, that's a good segue into the bottom ten. Oh, man. Okay. Number ten on our list was a J.A. pick. It was 5,000 kilometers per second. Number nine in our rankings of our bottom books was Moon Knight from the Dead. 1984 had a 2.5. It tied with Judge Dredd, the Dark Judges. 
And then after that, raking in at 2.42 was Doctor Strange, What Disturbs You, Stephen. And 2.33 was Fantastic Four Life Story. 2.25 was my recommendation for Jay for Christmas last year. Or Amazing Fantasy. A 2.175, this surprised me, was Who Killed Jimmy Olsen? And 2.125 was The United States of Captain America. And our worst book this year, something we could all agree was terrible, as it was all our last ranked book, was Black Adam, The Dark Age. <laughs> yes. At an average rating of one as our worst reviewed pick ever. I'm sorry, Pete Tomasi, Dog Monkey. You, there you, you, go. you, you put out a comic book. We just wasn't our, it wasn't our thing. <laughs> our all-time top ten. Just for those that are curious, every one of these has scored four, except for Hawkeye, which got a three point nine eight. Uh, so we had Hawkeye, Spider-Man, Craven's Last Hunt, Mouse, Parker, V for Vendetta, Persepolis, Other History of the Beast Universe, Reckless from last year, Wonder Woman, Dead Earth from last year, and Superman Smashes the Clan. I'm going to point out on the uh, all-time top ten, all books by Chad and J.A. Hmm. Hmm, how about that? Yeah, you have four of them and I have six. But that just It's I... not fair. I have to pick a lot of the movie books. <laughs> All right, so the last thing I want to go out on are our Desert Island picks. And so these are the books that, uh, as Raiders, someone liked them more than the others. So the books that somebody gave a 4-2, whereas the rest of us did not. Mm-hmm. Now, for Andy's Desert Island picks, he has three of them. Wow. One was on this show. Superman for the man who has everything. Andy gave it a 4. We just gave it 3.5s. For Skywalker Strikes, Andy gave it a 4. And J.A. and I, and uh, I believe Ethan was also on that show. We all gave it 3.7s. And then for Rorschach, oh, that does come with a caveat because Mikey Wood also gave it a 4. But of the three core Raiders, uh, I was much lower on Rorschach at a 2.75, and J.A. gave it a 3.75. I actually had five Desert Island 4s. Wow. Uh, Yeah, which just goes to show you guys don't appreciate good books. Uh, (laughs) Or or you're just a soft raider. That's right. You're an easy raider. You you know, you're just, yeah, you're you're the teacher everybody wants in school. You're grading on the bell curve. That's right. The numbers play out. I am the easiest raider of all of us. But uh, my fours involve G.I. Joe, The Saturday Morning Adventures, which was just a wonderful book. Uh, Superman versus Muhammad Ali. I can't believe you guys didn't rate that a four. Fantastic Four Full Circle, which I apparently loved, and you guys did not. It's just shocking. Uh, <laughs> Daredevil Underboss, which George from Shortbox Summary also rated that one a four, so that one gets a little caveat. And finally, Frankencastle, because I was able to overlook some of those gooey middles. That should have like six asterisks after it, because you only rated half the book. You said, forget about the rest. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's cheating. That's because the first half, or those other halves were so good. It's part of the book. (laughs) Yeah, you can skip it. And then J.A. had three Desert Island ratings. Something was killing the children, which Andy gave a 3.95. Uh, and I gave it a 3.75 Norse mythology J.A. loved the most Andy only gave it a 3 I gave it a 3.5 J.A. went the full 4 and the many deaths of Lila Star was another J.A. darling where Andy and I both gave it sub 3 grades 2.85 for Andy 2.75 for me and speaking of lowest scores that island on our own that you know books that averaged over a 3 but this individual hated. Andy has three of those. For the X-Men, the Mutant Massacre, he only gave it a 1.75. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin, and Andy gave a two. <laughs> and the good Asian, believe it or not, Andy was the lowest on that one, gave it a 2.5. It still averaged a 3.25 in spite of Andy. <laughs> For me, oh, in, spite I, of- <laughs> in spite of Andy. And it, I had two of those books. I gave I Hate Fairyland a two and a half. You guys both gave it. <laughs> Uh, Alan Dunford was with us that week, and he gave it a four. As well as Laura Dean keeps breaking up with me. Is that the one Ethan gave a four, even though he couldn't finish? <laughs> yes, you should put five asterisks after his, too, because that's cheating. And as far as J.A.'s, uh, I was looking for books that ranked a three or above out of J.A.'s bottom ten. Do you know how many were there? None. J.A. can recognize when something's not as good. <laughs> Good job, J.A. Thank you. Wow, look at you. Well, see, all right. Officially, 2022 was the year of the J.A. Let's just say it. But uh, 
we got to get to this commercial break. So here it comes. Here's what you've all been waiting for. The last metric that we've got for you. This is the list of the top 10 downloaded shows of 2022. Thank you so much to all of our last comic shop listeners. The uh, response to our show in 2022 was overwhelming. I'm serious. Like, I don't, I don't know who you people are that listen to our show every week, but we appreciate it. We definitely do, and we hope that you stick around for 2023. We've got some really, really great books coming up for you, and we'll continue to get you books that you can go out to your local comic book shop and pick up today. So keep listening and keep making these numbers great. So number 10 was Rorschach. Number 9, the first of our movie shows on this list, Doctor Strange, What Disturbs You, Stephen? Which also included our Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness review. Number 8 was The Good Asian. Lots of folks loved our previews of the Eisners. Plus, it didn't hurt that the book we picked ended up winning the Eisner. Uh, number seven was Persepolis. Did I say it right? Persepolis, yes! Yes! It's another one of our movie shows from our movie Mayhem. I told you, it was a big month. Uh, number six was Ms. Marvel. People love Kamala Khan and our review of that awesome book. And it's worth noting, we didn't review the TV show for Kamala Khan or Ms. Marvel, but... Do occasionally have those Twitter Spaces. I remember discussing uh, the Miss Marvel TV show on Twitter Spaces. So stay there you go. Opportunities like that. That's a nice plug, Chag. Now we're into our top five: Batman: Ten Nights of the Beast, coming in at number five. A Batman movie review again. Number four, a fan favorite: TMNT: The Last Ronin. Not surprising. Everybody was reading that, so they all wanted to hear it. Everybody loved that book, except Andy. (laughs) (laughs) And now, here comes our top three downloaded shows. Number three, Judge Dredd, The Dark Judges. Another movie review. That's right. right. Another movie review from our movie Mayhem. A great I'm, movie. The book. Uh, I the like movie was the awesome. Book. I like that some of these movie reviews aren't just like this month's Marvel or this month's DC. That there, some of these movie reviews are throwback. We Persepolis, uh, Judge Dredd. Those are old do, movies. Uh, movie mayhem this year. I've already got my pick. I think I'm gonna recommend we re uh, watch Akira and then Ooh. read the the manga. So oh, I thought you were gonna go Flash Gordon. I want to watch the 1980s last year. I can be oh, your pick. We know your pick. Number two, V for Vendetta. was our second most downloaded show. And that's, it's not surprising. It's a very popular comic book. Lots of people know about V for Vendetta, whether it's the movie or the uh, comic book. Probably because we didn't spend any time talking about the V for Vendetta LP record album that was cut. <laughs> To be played along while you're reading the comic book. Not the movie soundtrack, but the comic book soundtrack. We still need to put out one of those, like a quick hit, where we... we cause it's it's oh, weird. It's awful. <laughs> it's, I want to say it's awful. It's just weird. Even I can admit I might not be cool enough to get what that thing is supposed to be doing. Oh, you're cool enough, buddy. You're cool enough. That thing's just bad. All right. So here comes our number one all-time downloaded show of 2022. You guys got any guesses? Guess. I'm going to guess the other history of the DC Universe. All right. We got one for the other history of the DC Universe. J.A. I'm going to go Spider-Man Craven's Last Hunt. Both of you are incorrect. Oh, the number no. one, else isn't it? The number one downloaded show of 2022 was... Amazing Fantasy! <laughs> there are some Carrie Andrew fans out there, evidently. And we struck a chord with that show. I don't know. Maybe it was right time, right place. But that was the number one Maybe. downloaded show. Maybe they all got drawn in like we did by the covers. <laughs> Yeah, maybe they read the first two issues and thought, oh, this is going to be great. <laughs> Chad recommended it to a lot of other folks before he recommended it to Jay. 
Oh, man. <laughs> Just flooded it out there with all kinds of mailers and things. Read this book. It's great. I read the first Chad. two issues, and it wasn't so great after that. So, yeah, Chad's got a lot to atone for in 2023 oh. now. <laughs> I'm surprised it wasn't JLA Avengers. I thought that'd be a big, uh, nope. big number grabber. Nope. Superman versus Muhammad Ali, the greatest comic book of all time. The show we did to help raise money for cancer awareness. Nope. In any case, thank you so much to Chad Smith for putting together all of these awesome numbers. Chad, do you think we're going to post any more of this stuff so people can take a look at the data? If, even though the, the font is small, I will post our 2022 review by the numbers on our Twitter and social media accounts where you can see our rankings by publisher. You could see our top tens, our bottom tens. We have put out 105 shows. Yes, and we're going to keep going. And right after this, we're going to keep going with some interviews. We've got one from Jim Starlin that Jad and I cut at uh, Baltimore Comic-Con just a couple months ago, as well as another one from Baltimore Comic-Con where Chad sat down with Tony Fleece of Stray Dogs. So stay tuned for both of those right after the break. Hey, it's Mikey Wood, frequent Last Comic Shop guest and collector. And as a collector, I'm always in need of boards, bags, long boxes, and more to house all those comics. That's why I use promo code LCSPOD to get 10% off my orders at bcwsupplies.com. Not only does it get me a discount on BCW's already low prices, but I know using LCSPOD at checkout is another way I can show my support to the Last Comic Shop podcast and their continuing mission to bring fans together under that big comic book tent. So if you're in need of comic book supplies, head out to bcwsupplies.com and use promo code LCSPOD today. That's LCSPOD. Dragon Ball Z, One Piece, Naruto, all things that we love, all manga that were originally published in the legendary magazine Weekly Shonen Jump. But not every series can run for 300 chapters and have a hit anime. This is David. This is Jordan. We're the hosts of Shonen Flop. Each episode, we look at manga that ran and jumped that didn't quite make it. We discuss what it did wrong, what it did right, how the series could have turned itself around, and ultimately, was it a flop or not? Run all your favorite podcast apps, and you can find us at shonenflop.com. Keep on flopping, floppers. Hey, we're here at Baltimore Comic Con, and we're talking with the legendary Jim Starlin. Man, it is so wonderful that you took a couple moments out of your busy day to talk with us here at the Last Comic Shop. As you may know, we are a comic book podcast trying to get folks back into that comic book tent, and a lot of folks are, you know, super excited about some of the ideas, you know, that you've come up with at Marvel that have then been turned into movies, whether it was Thanos, whether it was the Infinity Gauntlet and things, but we're here to talk about you and, and your kind of kind of your comic book journey. Like, we uh, sat at a panel the other day, and we heard that, like, when you started, uh, it was because your dad brought home tracing paper? Could you tell us a little bit about that story? Yeah, my dad was a draftsman at uh, Chrysler in Detroit, and uh, he figured one of his fringe benefits was... Uh, but quite frankly, stealing as much tracing paper, masking tape, and number two pencils as he could stick into his briefcase at the end of the day. Uh, he was going to use it for his uh, woodworking hobby. Uh, I discovered I could start tracing comics characters out on top of the tracing paper and then taping them on the wall. You know, that's what started it all. It came as sort of a hobby to begin with, became kind of an obsession, which eventually became a career, and uh, so on and so forth. Yeah, one uh, one question I also uh, have is, um, do you happen to remember like one of the first comic books you ever got that like really struck your imagination? It's like, wow, this is Uncle Scrooge. Uncle Scrooge. Really, um, my uh, aunt and uh, uncle lived down the street, and their their boys had uh, comics upstairs. And when I wanted to get away from the adults, I'd go upstairs and uh, read their comics. And it started off with uh, Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck, which was those little six page stories. Right. And, you know, they were all right. And then I hit Uncle Scrooge, and it was the whole book, and it was an adventure. And I said, wow, this is cool. Okay, so like the, the Carl Barks? Carl Barks, yeah, uh, definitely. There you go, yeah. Did anyone ever do Uncle Scrooge other than the Carl Barks? Well, Don, uh, Don Rosa did. Uh, oh, okay. Later on, he did the uh, Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck, which is pretty pretty great if you've never read that. That's a great book. But, uh, okay. but I'm a big fan of the Carl Barks. That's why I was asking. Like, uh, him and uh, Floyd... Uh, Goddard, Goddardson? Goddard. He's, he did the Mickey Mouse strips in the 1930s. Okay. Yeah, so um, so I wanted to ask you about cutting your teeth in the industry. At, at your panel, you were talking about when you had a chance to get on Iron Man. You were just throwing as many ideas as you could 
into the issues. And do you want to talk a little bit about how you learned and developed and turned into you know the great creator uh, that you became? What are some of the pivotal things that you picked up along the way? You want me to give away my secrets? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, basically, it was uh, the main lesson was to do uh, what you like. Don't write or draw for the audience because they have expectations that are usually not good. They, uh, they always wanted uh, Sam and Diane to get together on Cheers, and as soon as they did, uh, the series went flat. The magic was gone. Yeah. One interesting thing I learned about at your panel, I didn't know that you served as a de facto art director at Marvel. Can you yeah, talk they, about that experience? They didn't have an art director for the longest time, apparently, and uh, when I came in, uh, I wasn't good enough to draw a book at that point, but uh, Roy liked my uh, storytelling, what he could see of it, and so uh, they put me on uh, working with Stan in the morning, uh, well, in the afternoon when he showed, uh, but I started in the morning, I'd go through the Xeroxes and... Uh, look what the stories are and then come up with a sketch that Stan would approve and we would eventually uh, send off to uh, a penciler like John Buscema or Bill Kane to actually do the pencils too. That's fantastic. Yeah, we were wondering if you could share with the story, that story about uh, how Stan would sometimes get in to the layouts of some of the comic well, Stan covers. was an actor at heart. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's what he wanted to do when he was a kid, and his uncle sort of pushed him in becoming an editor from what the story goes. Right. And so I would bring the sketches in, and he would show up at noon, and I would go... He, he would look at him, and in, in his Stan Lee way, he would go, Oh, great, great, <laughs> great, but... And then he would get up on the table and uh, take his glasses off and put them on the chair behind him. And then he would get up on the desk, rather, and uh, act out how he wanted uh, wanted the thing to go, you know, the characters to be set up. So he'd be silver surfering up there on his, at his table. Yes. And, uh, you know, about one out of six or seven times, uh, he would then get off the desk and sit down on his glasses and break them. I'm sure he had uh, spares at that point. Well, at this point, he would reach over to the intercom, which is still had back then, and he would go, Holly, I did it again. And she would come in with a brand new pair of glasses and take away the broken ones to be fixed. Well, I have a, a, I don't know if it's apocryphal or not, but I heard, I heard a story once about Iron Man 55. In the fact that you originally drew Thanos, that he kind of looked more like Metron from uh, the New Gods? Yes, he was more of inspired by that. Everybody thinks it was Darkseid that I ripped off, but it was really Metron. Right, but we heard the story that you, you showed it to the editor, and he was like, well, if you're going to take one of the New Gods, that why don't you take the yeah, said, We're going to play that. He said, beef him up. Okay. And uh, as you can see, he sort of beefed him up the size that Kirby was doing at that time. And over the years since then... Both characters have beefed up and inflated immensely. Yes. So, uh, and almost simultaneously. <laughs> so now that everybody thinks for sure it is, Absolutely. or Dark Side was the inspiration, but what, it was Metron. When you look other, at the visors, Intel. One of the other questions I had is just simply about uh, your run on Captain Marvel in the 70s. It was kind of almost like a dry run for what you eventually did with uh, Infinity Gauntlet because, you know, Thanos gets the cosmic cube and he becomes like the cosmic essence of the entire universe. Did that play a little bit of part? Like when you came back to Marvel and you were like, oh, these were some really good ideas. I want to flesh that out a little bit more. Or Well, I very quickly learned that the only thing I wanted to do over at Marvel was Thanos. Okay. <laughs> and so they, they thought they were getting me on Silver Surfer and Warlock books but they were just Thanos books okay yeah. yeah and they were great they were great at that you ended up arch or being the architect for the modern cosmic Marvel universe yeah that was a really unexpected <laughs> how do you feel about how that's grown and blown up since uh, since the 70s 80s and 90s and like what it is today it's all surreal you know I, I walk wake up and look around and say yeah I guess this is what's happening but uh, it still has a sense of not actually being Shortly after the Infinity uh, War came out, uh, the movie, I went to a convention that weekend and I came home and I said, okay, this, there's my 15 minutes of Andy Warhol fame. And uh, <laughs> went into the living room, turned on the television, and I had recorded uh, the Stephen Colbert show I wanted to watch before I went to bed that night. And the first thing he does is he starts off with a Thanos joke. <laughs> and I go, hmm, this may last maybe 16 or 17 minutes. That is great. Uh, and you did cosmic stuff at DC too. I know Andy and I are both excited about Cosmic Odyssey. 
And uh, how did that uh, come about? Why was there never a bigger follow-up on that? That was great. Well, uh, DC hated it to begin with. Uh, oh, no! Uh, they did a book called The Book of Magic, a comic called The Book of Magic. Okay. And where they mapped out the entire mystic universe of DC. And they came to me and said, we want to do the same thing with our science fiction characters. And uh, I think it was Andy Helfer who started off being the editor. He just let me go. And the whole idea of mapping out the science fiction characters went the way of the dodo real quick. Right. I wrote what story I wanted to write. But the heads of DC didn't realize it until we were into our third issue. Right. <laughs> and it was too late to do anything about it. And they were really mad. And they said, well, we're just going to dump this book out. And we're going to have to really rethink about you doing any further work for us. Jeez. Oh, no. oh they were really mad about it. Was that before or after the Batman run? Oh, it was uh, simultaneous. Simultaneous. Yes. Because your Batman in that particular book is some of the best Batman. I, 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 the one thing I love about your Batman writing is he's vulnerable. Like a lot of times people write Batman as the greatest ninja, he's the greatest detective, he's the greatest this, he's the greatest that. But you have a sense of vulnerability to your Batman. Like, for ex he shows emotion. Like at the end of Cosmic Odyssey when... Uh, he belts the... Uh, uh, Forager right. dies, and his yeah. name was Forager, because they, you know, he was a lesser being among the new gods to some of them. It, it, it was moving. And not only that, but like later on when you did uh, the Batman the series proper with... With Ten Nights of the Beast, you can see that's a Batman that gets beat up the entire way through that. Gets cinder blocks thrown at him and all kinds of stuff. But it seems like almost short-sighted now that you're saying DC did not like Cosmic Odyssey because it's a lot of the same... Again, it's a and lot of the same it, they've ideas. They've had been paying me for uh, royalties on it for the last right? 40 years. Right, they could have made a whole series of movies out of that. Yeah. Like, And I would be remiss if I didn't ask you one question at least about the whole Jason Todd saga. What was that like being the guy in charge of writing those books... Uh, were you a Jason Todd fan? Were you excited about potentially getting rid of Robin? Or what, what were you thinking while that was going on? Okay, here comes my Robin spiel. Okay. <laughs> you want to go out and you want to fight crime. And you want to wear a gray and black outfit. And you bring along a kid and you put him in primary colors. <laughs> now, that goes a little bit beyond child endangerment. That's just like child elimination. <laughs> Sure. I mean, the only one step further, and you tattoo on his forehead, shoot the yes, kid. Exactly. So uh, no, I tried to always avoid him, and Denny O'Neill, who was the editor, would eventually push me in to put him in his, the stories occasionally. And they did a uh, an AIDS. They wanted to do an AIDS book at one point. Right. And they put out a uh, suggestion box in the hallway, and they wanted you to put in the name of the character that you thought. The DC character who should get AIDS. Right. I stuffed it with Robin. <laughs> um, they recognized the similar handwriting, and all mine were thrown out, and Jimmy Olsen won. Okay. And then they found out that the actor who played Jimmy Olsen in the Christopher Reeve Superman stories was gay, freaked right. them all out, and they abandoned the entire AIDS book. Okay. So we went on, and then uh, Denny came up with the phone-in idea and came to me and said, you know, you really want to kill him off? I said, yeah. yeah. You know? And so uh, we wrote the story, and it was a big success, and it was their bestseller that year. Right. But when the final issue came out, they realized that they had never told licensing they were killing off Robin. Oh, no. And licensing hit the roof. Yeah, no, that's... And so uh, they had all these pajamas and lunch boxes and stuff like that. And so there was a big stink, and somebody had to take the hit for this. Oh. I'll give you one hint who it was. <laughs> Within a month, everything I was doing up in DC suddenly disappeared. Right. And I had to go back over to Marvel, where I took on the Silver Surfer, which eventually led to the Infinity Gauntlet. So it worked out okay. Yes, it did. It definitely <laughs> did. But that was, you know, it was big news at the time, because a lot of folks that weren't reading comic books really didn't know that... Jason Todd was Robin. They, they still thought it was Dick Grayson. They still thought it was the Robin from the 60s TV show. So a lot of folks were like, you killed Robin? Like, what's, what's wrong with you? It got me a lot of free beers down in Mexico when it happened. Oh, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Cheers to that. But anyway, before we let you go, the last thing I want to talk about, because you're well-known for your Marvel work, you're well-known for your DC work, but your independent work, your epic work on Dreadstar is fantastic as well. And rumor has it, there's more Dreadstar coming up. Would you like to talk about that a little bit? Well, if you look on the table, you got the first one here. 
this one came out from Ominous, but Ominous is sort of disappearing on us. So I'm taking the whole uh, whole library over to a new company named uh, Monkey Wrench okay. that Ron Mars is involved in, yeah, we're my old friend. And uh, we have uh, five graphic novels scheduled. The second one, which is up on the wall here, uh, the Kickstarter on it will start in about two weeks. By February, it should be out, and uh, we're going to reprint this through... Uh, uh, monkey wrench and uh, I've got only six pages left to pencil on the third book okay uh, which is going to be Dreadstar versus Dreadstar nice. and um, the, the other two are cooking around in my head I know what they're going to be I just haven't put them down on paper yet Percolating. <laughs> yes I'm coffee fiend what can I tell you it's well, <laughs> all right well thank you so much Jim for taking some time sir it was really really wonderful to meet you again we've been long long time fans and we hope that a lot of the last comic shop listeners whether they're old time fans of yours or just coming in because of the movies and things you got to make sure that you read lots of Jim Starlin it's wonderful wonderful work thank yeah, you so much my wallet would thank you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks again thanks so much Hi, this is Chad from The Last Comic Shop Podcast here at Baltimore Comic Con with Tony Fleece of Stray Dogs fame. Hey, Chad. Hey, Tony. Uh, so glad uh, you're taking some time to uh, talk with us here today. Now, I'm going to admit up front, I have not yet checked out the Stray Dogs, but I know at my comic shop, it is one of the big things. Every time an issue comes out, it's going to second, third, fourth, fifth prints. And all of them have those crazy movie homage covers. Yeah. And so I saw you here and thought, all right, uh, instead of just asking you to pitch it to me as a, as a customer, why don't you pitch it to the whole Last Comic Shop crew? All right, Last Comic Shop, here we go. All right. So Stray Dogs is a story about a group of dogs that live together in a farmhouse. And uh, they're in like this idyllic, sort of comfortable world. But these dogs have bad short-term memory. They have good long-term memory. They remember their names, and they remember who who owns them, and they remember who feeds them, and like where you know. Uh, but they don't remember like what happened last week. That's like me. Yeah, <laughs> same. It's, it's sort of based on my dog, who I think doesn't have uh, any sort of comprehension of anything. Dogs are great. They just smile and move yeah. along. It's a very lovable and a big dumb idiot. <laughs> but. These dogs, with their memory, they don't realize that their master is actually a serial killer who has taken each one of them from one of his victims like trophies. And so it's drawn by Trish Forstner in this uh, very like animated Don Bluthy style. So it looks like uh, an animated, like a Disney movie, and it reads like a horror movie. Yeah, that's that's the sharp contrast. Yeah. You get yeah. sort of the ju- juxtaposition of those worlds with the horror mixed with the the cutesy animated. Yeah, and so we use know. the we use the art style and the storytelling to sort of try and lull people into like a real comfortable place, so that when horrible stuff happens, it's it should come along and sort of smack you right in the face. It's sort of one of the hard things to do with horror and comics is to like surprise people right. or to to do like setups like that where you get comfortable and then. Like, there's no way to do a jump scare. You can't put, like, loud sounds in comics and stuff. Right, you have to build it a different way with that yeah. page turn and all yeah. the rest of that. Yeah, so this is a really a book about, like, about setting people into a feeling and then attacking them emotionally. Great. Now, I'm curious. Like I said, I know your book is the, the hotness currently. Yeah. What was that like for you as a creator to create something that's burning up the, the charts? Oh, it was very bizarre. Like, this is, you know, before this book came out, people that read, you know, Image Comics pr- probably had never heard of Trish or I. Both of us come from licensed comics. You know, I, I drew My Little Pony for 10 years. I have a number of your My Little Pony books at home. Thank like a, you. A daughter who loves them. Yeah, I drew Star Wars Adventures, Trish drew My Little Pony, you know, so uh, it's not only were we introduced to like a whole different corner of the comics readership, like a whole different group, but also like to just have it really take off and and go from being, you know, literally somebody that nobody would come over and talk to if they didn't have a child or, or were a brony to like, you know, last year here at this show, Trish had to have like security and stuff because wow. because yeah, the book was so the hot. Bronies. I know there's some passionate fan bases there. Well, not the bronies. Like, the, that was the Stray Dogs fans. The bronies we can handle. <laughs> <laughs> In my uh, experience, they, they're pretty nice people. Yeah. Do you think there's been crossover from some of the folks, some of the, the grown-ups that have been reading the My Little Ponies that have come to the Stray Dogs? Or do you have Stray Dogs folks going back and pulling out the Star Wars or the My Little Brony? We My have, Little a, there's a little bit of that. The, the stuff that is 
the most exciting for me is there's a lot of people who, because I've been drawing My Little Pony for so long, will they'll bring their kids up and they'll say like, I, my kids learned to read reading your comics, and there are kids that read my My Little Pony comics that are now teenagers and read Stray Dogs, and that shit really trips me out. <laughs> uh, but it's just very exciting too, because you know like that's the way I, I think about when I was a kid reading comics. And then going reading from somebody's one thing to now, you know, like I was, I'm reading uh, X Force, and now I'm gonna go read this guy's next thing because now oh, he's absolutely. making his own thing, you know. And and plus two, we're talking about licensed books. My podcast buddy and I, we always talk about how those licensed books when we were kids, the He-Man books, the Superpowers, uh, little pack-in comics, those were some of our first exposures to comic yeah. books. Yeah, yeah. And that's what gets people excited about it. And you go from. He-Man to, oh, what's this X-Men book? What's this X-Force book? And now I'm a Rob Liefeld fan, and I don't care who knows. Yeah, exactly. me too. But so, I mean, yeah, that's it's sort of like a in-real-time example of watching the system work, right? We built new readers out of kids, and then and then we were able to take at least a few of them along now that they're teenagers to our to our more mature stuff, which is cool, you know? That is very awesome. So, can you give us any ideas of what's in store for Stray Dogs? What's the... So we did Stray Dogs, and then we did Stray Dogs Dog Days, which is a follow-up series. It's short stories about each of the dogs in the house. Both of those are in trade right now, and we're not doing any more Stray Dogs because oh, no. the story has like a, a definitive ending. And okay. We, and we sort the cool thing about Image is like nobody's sitting there going like, "Well, you got to do more," you know. Right. Like if you feel like it's done, it's done. But Trish and I and Tone Rodriguez and the whole team are working on a follow-up thing, and it's going to be probably the first thing you would guess uh we're gonna do um but we're working really hard on on that right now new horror comics new cute horror comics okay. uh, probably for around 2024 sometime oh that's awesome it's still coming out through image yeah of course and uh, oh and then i've got a book that'll be in previews next month uh, at image also with tim seeley that we're co-writing and co-drawing which i'm really psyched about because I like working with other writer-artists. Yeah, Tim Seeley's great. I knew him, speaking of licensed books, I found him on G.I. Joe. Yeah. And then into his Indies the Devils with the Hack do. and Slash. Yeah. And, yeah, see? And all the that same. great stuff. Still working on licensed stuff. Still doing My Little Pony stuff here and there. And we were doing a bunch of covers for Dynamite's Gargoyles. And Trish is doing covers for for Darkwing Duck. And so, yeah, we're, we're all over the place. We stay very busy. That's awesome. Now, you already have the animated style built in. And I'm sure you guys have connections uh, over in uh, My Little Pony Land. When, uh, when are we going to see the Stray Dogs animated uh, feature? Oh, uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a complicated question. Uh, we optioned the, the book way before it even came out. Uh, but that option has run out, oh, so no. we're gonna, the, we have the property back and turn around, and we're going to sell it somewhere else. But it's just a matter of you know going out there and selling it. Also, Hollywood seems to be in some sort of tailspin, <laughs> so yeah. not the fun Disney kind either, like the disastrous people <laughs> lose their jobs kind. There's no Baloo in this one? No Baloo. The There's no Cher Khan. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we, we, I'm just sort of, I feel like we're just sort of sitting back, you know, I talk to, to our manager every once in a while and I'm like, what's going on? And he's just like, well, <laughs> it's wild out there. So we're just sort of chilling, waiting for, for stuff to even out and then I feel like we'll sell it again. I'm not too concerned about that because uh this book did very very well and the reception the, it, yeah was huge it has a pitch that is real easy to pitch to people like when we sold it the first time there were a bunch of people that were interested so we'll sell it again from tailspin we always learned he who fights and runs away lives to fight another day. god damn it how'd you do it you wrapped it all up like that incredible <laughs> way to go all right sir thank you so much for your time wish you guys nothing but success with the my little pony with the stray dogs with whatever comes next I'm picking up the first trade today. I'm excited to read Sweet. it. And so hope you guys have a great show. And thanks for coming by The Last Comic Shop. Yeah, podcast. thanks for having me, Chad. Right, thank you. So that was a great conversation with Baltimore's own Tony Fleece in Baltimore at the Comic-Con. I tell you what, I picked up that Stray Dogs book and I loved it. I definitely, it's not something I would have picked up just based on appearances alone. Because you see those cartoony uh, dogs, you do not expect what's coming. Yeah. Uh, but. If you are into the, the horror realm and just want something out of left field that you've never seen before, don't let the uh, homage covers fool you. It's a totally original and just, it was really impressive. 
Very cool. All right, well, we've got one more interview for you right after these commercial breaks to wrap up 2022. It is our interview with Frank Cho, who's one of my favorites. Stay tuned. Greetings, henchmen and loyal subjects. I am Evan the Great. Now I'm JVD. We're your host of the Fictional Battle Podcast, Crossover Collision, brought to you by the Villains Demand. If you love hearing in-depth breakdowns of your favorite characters and what they are capable of doing while fighting in random battlegrounds against other fan favorites, then this is the podcast for you. New episodes drop every Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or over on TheBuildsMan.com. When you're done listening to this podcast, check out mine. My name is Dave and I'm the host of Beer in Front. My podcast is just enjoying the beer that's in front of you. Sometimes we forget about a classic beer while we focus on the new trendy thing. What I try to do each week is to enjoy an old school classic or have a beer that has potential to be a classic. I'll also talk about events of the day. I'll add my spin to things. And each week there are people that really annoy me and I'll call them out as the jag off of the week. That's Beer in Front, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, we're here at the Baltimore Comic Con with Frank Cho, which is just... Wonderful. As you may know, on the last comic shop, the host of the most, Andy Larson, is a huge fan of Frank Cho for all the right reasons. <laughs> but real quickly, as I often ask on the last comic shop, Frank, do you remember the first comic book you got as a kid? Uh, what it was, or who who drew it, or anything oh, yeah. like that? So, the first comic book that I bought with my own money. Right. Because that's important, because it wasn't given to you as a gift. Like, you, you went out and you got that thing. So it was like a banner year, because I started collecting comics in 1983. Okay. So the two comics I got, with my own money, Fantastic Four, 250. Okay. Uh, John Byrne, the yeah. X-Factor. Nice. Story, uh, where the Fantastic Four fights the uh, X-Men, but okay. they're all scrolls. And uh, Uncanny X-Men, 166, double-sized issue. Paul Smith was the artist, and they're fighting the, all the broods. Talk about two great comics. Did right. you um? Did you then follow Fantastic Four and X Men? Like, were you just like, no, I'm on the gravy train now. No, I was like, yeah, I was. I was a huge John Byrne Fantastic Four fan, and I thought his Fantastic Four was just absolutely stellar. I, I thought he uh, uh, matched, uh, rivaled the uh, Stanley Jack Kirby run. Yeah, it, no, it is. It's, I mean, he was absolutely just on fire. It was John uh, Byrne was on fire. There on were Fantastic some Four. dark days for the Fantastic Four in the mid, like again, right after right. Kirby left, you just had, you know, Stan was like almost going through and just doing re reruns of right. like, hey, here's Galactus again, here's right, him right. fighting the Hulk. But then John Byrne came on. He Powered up Sue, oh, you know, gave... Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember basically John Byrne taking the Fantastic Four, uh, taking them to the negative zone. That was a great storyline. Yes. And the trial of Galactus. That, does, that just blew my mind as a kid. Yeah, especially the, the one panel where it's like Galactus's face and all the people yeah, are yeah, like... Yeah. It's like the he puts them in communion all together as yeah. minds. Were, so is that like... Was John Byrne your first like artist? Or like you were like, no, nah, I'm going to follow everything he does or... Yeah, pretty much. I mean, so... Yeah, so because of, on the strength of John Byrne, I mean, uh, I loved his stuff. I picked up uh, Alpha Flight. Okay. I picked it up all the way up to uh, when he stopped doing it, when I guess uh, Mike Mignola took over. Right. It was like issue number 28, I think he stopped. Mm -hmm. So I, I collected Alpha Flip into issue number 28, and I collected Uncanny X-Men for uh, up until like, I think it was like 201 or 202. That's okay. when I stopped, when uh, Storm took over as the leader of the X-Men. Yeah. And then I collected um, Amazing Spider-Man because uh, I love John Romita Jr., his first run yes. of the Spider-Man with uh, Roger Stern. Now, I'm curious, uh, your style, you have that classic style. Okay. Uh, what artists, when you were starting out, were you trying to emulate, or what sort of things inspired you uh, to draw the way that you do? I mean, I was a huge fan of uh, John Buscema. John Buscema, uh, How to Draw the Marvel Boy, was right. like a Bible to me growing up. I'm a Did huge... you know the page was upside down? It took me years to realize there's an upside down page in there. Really? Yeah, they yeah. just rolled with it. <laughs> But his designs are so exciting, nobody noticed. Nobody just, cares. Right, I gotta check that out. So, John Buscema was a big guy. Al Williamson. Al Williamson's great. Frank Frazetta, Don Newton, Neil Adams, and uh, Jose Garcia Lopez. Oh, that's great. I, I mean, those guys. Even though I'm a big Byrne fan, I mean, I, I didn't really draw like John Byrne. Right, no, but I, your style is one of those styles that really captures the essence of the characters, and it's not... Right. 
a bunch of lines all over the place traditionally. Right. I, I, it really speaks to me. It's it's interesting that you say Al Williamson because a lot of the times I love your musculature. Like, right. I mean, there's certain reasons why I like your musculature, but honestly, right. I right. really do. And so it reminds me a lot of like Al Williams' Flash Gordon, kind right. of like that romantic style. Again, it, it fits. Like, if you ever watch, you see your Leia's or your, right. your, your space stuff or things like that, you can tell that it's like, it's almost from that school of uh, Alex Raymond, original right. uh, Flash Gordon right, strips. Right. Exactly. And so, uh, so how did you, uh, I guess, make the jump from being comic book fan to comic book artist? Like, what was your kind of your story? Well, I went to nursing school. I mean, uh, I, I, has, I had a scholarship to go to Maryland Institute of Art in Baltimore, but uh, it still wasn't enough money. I'm the only gave me half scholarship, and my parents just couldn't afford it because art, art schools are expensive as hell. So I went to community college, and then I just took a lot of biology classes because, you know, I like biology. And then I, and my parents put all these tremendous pressure on me to become a doctor. Okay. Instead, I went to nursing school because it was a shorter program, surrounded by women, and I look good in white. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I ended up in nursing school, and, uh, you know, I, I got a nursing degree. I have a Bachelor of Science in Nursing. So, and then, you know, while I was going to nursing school, I drew for the school paper, University of Maryland school paper, right. uh, the Diamondback. I won the best college cartoonist of that year, and then that snowballed into a, a syndication contract to do Liberty Meadows as a syndicated comic strip. Okay. And I did that for five years, and along the way, I just quit. Just, you know, I just couldn't deal with the, the, the censorship and the deadlines. So I just quit cold turkey. And it turned out Axel Alonso at Marvel was a big fan of mine. Okay. And then so he contacted me out of the blue and say, hey, do you want to work for Marvel? Ah. And so people ask me, well, how do you, how do you break the comics? Uh, how did you break into Marvel? I said, I just picked up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> if you're that good, sometimes that's all it takes. Yeah, so and Axel Alonso just called me up and said, you know, and just offered me Shaun of the She-Devil, you know. That's awesome. So you've drawn stories with jungle settings. You've drawn space stories. You've drawn superhero stories. Is there anything you prefer that you're like, this is where I can really dig in? I'm an organic kind of guy. I can't draw like machines. I can draw machines and buildings and all that, but I hate drawing machines and buildings and cars and all that stuff. I prefer organic, natural stuff like monsters and woods and, you know, you know, kind of like Bernie Rison, you know. I'm kind of like Bernie that way. So I just like drawing monsters and women. You know? There you go, a steam company. Now, before we uh, started recording, you were telling us a story about your Savage Wolverine run. Can you tell us? How did that come about? So Axel Alonso, my buddy, the, the guy who gave me my, basically made me, gave me my career at Marvel, uh, out of the blue, uh, called me up and said, hey, do you want to do Wolverine? We're launching Re Wolverine. I said, yeah, sure. Who's the writer? And he goes, uh, you are. And I said, what do you mean? I, usually at that time, Bendis was like super hot. He was writing all the books. Right. And I said, is, is it? Bendis? I said, no, no, we're you know, one of those bigger writers. And he said, no, no, it's, it's you. I want you to write. I said, why? And he goes, well, I originally hired you as a writer-artist uh, on Shauna. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I enjoy writing, but I got pigeonholed as a writer, uh, as an artist. Right. Why do you want me to write this? And he goes, well, the thing is, Bendis, Garth Ennis, and all these other writers that he's working with, he knows exactly what type of story they, they're going to write. Right. But you... I have no idea what you're going to write. And that, that excites me. <laughs> and so I just want to see what you write. You know, you have this crazy imagination. I just want to see right. what you come up with. Right. So Axel took another big chance on me and just gave me the, you know, the one of the premier Wolverine books and uh, to write and draw it. And so I came up with uh, the, the Savage Island, you know, storyline uh, with uh, Morrigan, the, the herald of the second Galactus. Right. You know, planet Eater. And I went with it, and then I put in everything that I want to put in. You know, I want a, a Wolverine fighting the Hulk. Okay. I put in Shauna. I put in Man-Thing. Uh, yes, and that I put, is great. I put Wolverine fighting three giant gorillas. Yes. Because, you, know? so, you know, the apes and babes, that's, so, yeah. that's what you do well. So, so I, just went, I just went crazy, and then uh, it actually sold really well. And, uh, and I, I was hoping to write a sequel to that. Uh, really? Yeah, because uh, the second Galactus, you know, comes down. Yes, and I was going to have uh, the second Galactus fight the original Galactus. And it was going to be like really great storyline. But, you know. Oh, we missed out. Yeah. Do you think you ever might go back? I mean, to be honest with you. Uh, the, the, is it? Has that, that ship passed? It's yeah. I mean, because like the comic business have changed. They, they don't they don't pay people like they used to. 
so I'm not going to take a pay cut to, you know, to, to do a book, you know. Well, I, I do want to say from that Savage Wolverine, I, I'm glad you brought up the Hulk because one of my favorite pages is there is, there, is the oh, yeah, this drawing where Wolverine just jumps on the back of the Hulk. He puts his one claw through the yeah. forehead, <laughs> the other one through where his ear is, and he's just like, look, I'm, I'm just hanging on at this point. Right. Like, you can either die. What was your thought process around that battle? Did you well, yeah, so I write backward. So, okay. so uh, you know, I have an ending in mind, and then and then and then I try to steer the story into that ending. Uh, same with a lot of this uh, battle sequence. I I already have like I guess like the punchline. Right. You know, like so I I wanted that Wolverine stabbing Hulk in the head. Right. That was like the punchline. That was a big splash page I've I've thought of, and I was figuring out how to lead up to that. Yeah, how to lead up to that uh, that that conclusion. <laughs> Very cool. Well, I know that you now are doing what? Fight Girls over at AWA. I finished Fight Girls. It's uh, finished and collected. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to work on uh, the next book for them. Okay. So. And that that comes from your your friendship with Axel because he now yeah, yeah. he's now so, over at yeah. AWA. So when uh, when Axel f- co-founded uh, AWA, uh, he brought me over. So very cool. Well, one last question for you because sure. the first time I saw your artwork was actually thanks to Mike Aldred. Because right. you did a Madman sketch right. of Ma- Madman. How did you meet Mike? Because like I'm a huge fan of Mike's work too. But like, how did you, did you meet him at a con? Like, yeah, he was... I met him at San Diego, and then uh, uh, really nice guy. Right. And then um, he said, "Hey, do you want to do a Madman pinup?" And that was it. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's one of my favorites. It's like that one and like the Jack Kirby one, right. and a couple other ones. But right. like that's how I first found your work, and right. I'm in love with it ever since. Oh. Thank so you. thank you so much for drawing Madman because well, he's one of my favorite characters. Oh, so yeah, you're welcome. And uh, thank you so much for taking some time with you us today, Frank. Uh, how where can they find your stuff? Like yeah, you can find me on uh, Instagram, Frank Cho uh, uh, Artist, Facebook, uh, Frank Cho Artist. <laughs> so you can't miss it. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you again for taking some time to talk with us. Thank you. Yeah, there's uh, Frank Cho. That was awesome. I think that was one of my favorite interviews of the day just simply because I didn't think that was going to happen. When I saw Frank Cho's line on like Friday, I was like, there's no way that he's going to have time to talk with us. We went up on Sunday and he didn't have anything to do. (laughs) What you mean to say is he was very gracious and generous with his time, as were all our interviews at uh, Baltimore Comic Con. Yes. Uh, It was such a great weekend. I was so happy to be there. I I hope they invite us back again. Absolutely. And we hope that you will invite us back into your homes and cars and wherever else you listen to this podcast uh, in 2023, because we've got another 52 shows coming at you. Some great stuff just around the bend. Just to kick off to 2023, we've got some uh, books from some uh, creators that we've really liked over the past um, 106 some shows. Just next week, we've got Mr. Miracle by Tom King and Mitch Jarrett's. That's it. I can't wait to dive into it with J.A. And we hope that you revisit us every week by going out to www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. It's our terrific website where you can find all those podcasters, all the links to those podcasters that are gracious enough to host our show and get it out to our listeners. And also make sure that you look for our coupon. Yes, that's right. I said it earlier in the show. Go out to www.bcwsupplies.com. It's a terrific place where you can get bags, boards, long boxes, clamshells, all kinds of great stuff to keep your comic books looking great. Short Uh, boxes that are easier to lift. Yeah, exactly. And if you use the promo code LCSPOD, you'll get 10% off your order, as well as the fact that you'll be uh, supporting the last comic shop. So make sure that you not only uh, get your comic book stuff a little bit cheaper, but you also show your support to our show in future. That is LCSPOD for 10% off. There you go. And don't forget to catch us on all the socials at Last Comic Shop or at our home base, www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com, where what can they find there, J.A., to wrap things up for the year? They can find merch. You need a last-minute Christmas gift that you forgot to buy somebody for Christmas. Go on the store, pick up a shirt, pick up a tote bag, pick up a mug, support the last comic shop, support your comic book-loving friends and relatives, and... uh, Next year, 
lots of more special stuff will be. I mean, we this year we had chain mail. Or was that two years ago? <laughs> <laughs> every so often, there's some special items on the store. Make sure you tune in every week to find out what those might be. You might be lucky and be able to buy it. Some of them are are there for a very short time. But supplies of our show are not. It's been two years strong, gentlemen. Here's to many more. And cheers to you all out there in Last Comic Shop Podcast listening land. I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson. I was joined by Jay Scott and Chad Smith for another wonderful year. And we'll be back just next week for season three. Until then, stay safe, stay festive. And remember that if old acquaintances be forgot, you should remember them. Because I would hate to be one of those old acquaintances. What do you mean you forgot me? you I forget mean, me for you too much eggnog for the two of you too you much you can eggnog. forget afterwards but don't, exactly. download. don't forget us put it don't in a long us. box there you go with promo code lcs pod bcwsupplies.com Last comic shop was a 2022 Black Angus production.